This is Truth and Focus, your radio program for worldview talk and issues that matter, with Josh Cumston and Gordon Teeson, broadcasting from the studio at Nebraska Christian Schools. Welcome to Truth and Focus. I'm Gordon Teeson along with my co-host, Josh Cumston. Today we're recording from the studios at Nebraska Christian Schools near Central City. Our guest today is Joe Malarkey. He's the youth pastor of the Monroe Evangelical Free Church. Welcome to the program, Joe. Thanks for having me. Joe, this morning you had an opportunity to visit a little bit with our students and preach a sermon to them. We're going to talk to you about that in just a minute and actually play that for our listeners. But before we do that, I want you to just share with us a little bit about what's going on at your church, where it's located, and in particular, maybe some of the goals you have as a youth pastor for the students you work with. Yeah, I'm at, uh, like you said, Monroe Evangelical Free Church, and basically it's a church in the middle of a cornfield between Central City and Aurora. We've got a a great group of students out there. It's really neat to see how we can pull from so many different communities in the area and just get to know students in in a, a real unique and real way. So been enjoying that. As far as, you know, something I like to push with our students is we really want to be intentional about discipleship. And so we started a program this summer using a book called Multiply by Francis Chan. And uh, we're going through that book. And at the same time, training adults in order to get uh, them involved in students' lives as well. So we've got students who are excited. We've got adults who are excited. And and I'm excited to uh, see where this is going to take us. Joe, what would you say would be the core disciplines of discipleship? Some of those key areas as you work with students, what are maybe two or three of those key things you wanted the students to get from that book? And we really want to focus on ways to study the Bible, the appropriate ways to study the Bible, and then actually putting those into practice and studying the Bible, and then taking that out and sharing with their friends. We really encourage our students to just share with them their story of what God has done in their life. And then, you know, we couple that with prayer and, you know, all sorts of uh, different ways that we can just build in relationships with people. And um, it's, it's been good so far. Joe, you spent some time after your message this morning talking about application with the kids. Why do you feel that is so important to to bring that out? A lot of times we can hear messages and think that's a good message, but then we don't know what to do with it. And so I really want to drive home at least one application point that, you know, this is what God has done in my life through studying this passage, and this is what I'm going to put into practice. And I know the Holy Spirit's going to speak to students in different ways, but you know, just give them something to, to prime the pump or to get them started thinking of, okay, how can I put this into practice? With that, let's join Pastor Joe with today's message. Go ahead and uh, open up to First Samuel chapter 14. While you're turning there, I'm going to pray again because we can't have enough prayer. Father, thank you for this day. These students who are here, thank you for your word. Thank you most of all for your son who uh, became sin for us who knew no sin so that we could become the righteousness of God, who gave us an opportunity to have a relationship with you to fix everything that was broken. Uh, Lord, I just pray that today you would be glorified and that your message would come through me, through your word. And Father, we could leave here changed because of how we have met with you. We ask that you would use your spirit to impact our lives and our hearts in a very unique way this morning. And uh, we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I love talking and preaching and teaching from the Old Testament. They're called narratives. Here's this story. This is one of my favorites. Not my favorite. My favorite story in the Old Testament is where a bunch of high schoolers were making fun of a bald guy, and the bald guy curses them, and the bear comes and eats them. I love that, all right? <laughs> so, bald guy, beware. Okay. First Samuel 14, one day, starting in verse 1, Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let's go over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. 
but he did not tell his father. Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gibeah in the pomegranate cave at Migron. The people who were with him were about 600 men, including Ahijah, son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the priest of the Lord, and Shiloh, wearing an ephod. And the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Within the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistine garrison, there was a rocky crag on one side and a rocky crag on the other side. The name of the one was Bozes, and the name of the other was Sena. The one crag rose on the north in the front of the Michmash, and the other on the south in front of Geba. One day. One day. What does it make you think of? To me, it's like once upon a time, right? Or it's like, you know, well, here it is, one day. I mean, Jonathan, son of Saul, king of Israel. Like, I mean, do you understand how important this man is? He is the prince of Israel. Israel, who was coming to the promised land, they had God as their king, and God delivers them from all their battles. And then they set this, 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 this kingdom up, and God is their king, and it's so great. And they start to whine and complain. They say, we want to be like everyone else. They have a king. Can we have a king? And God gives them Saul, the king of Israel. Saul was a foot, like a, at least a foot taller than everyone else. I mean, this guy was a warrior. He was strong. He was probably somewhat good looking. I mean, because you can't be a king if you're ugly, right? Is that how things work? I wouldn't know, okay? We have Saul, and Saul has a son. His name's Jonathan, and Jonathan is the prince of Israel. And so one day, Jonathan, in the midst of all these battles with the Philistines, I mean, when you think of Israel and the Philistines, you probably think of David and Goliath. Right? I mean, you've got, you've got little shepherd boy David, you've got tall Goliath, I'm going to fling a stone, knock him down, cut his head off, and we win, right? I mean, that's how we think of Israel and the Philistines. We see they had been entrenched in battle for a long time. And so Saul is hanging out, it says, in the pomegranate cave. Basically, he's under a shade tree, eating some fresh fruit, not really worrying about much. And Jonathan, he says, says one day, they're in camp there, and one day Jonathan's like, says to the young man who carried his armor. Basically, they wore armor when they went into battle. That makes sense, right? And we don't go into battle with, you know, cut off shirts and shorts and sandals. Like, all right, let's go get them, right? And stab you, arrow, dead. No, we don't do that, <laughs> right? I mean, we've got armor. I mean, we've got helmets. I mean, we've got weapons. We've got, we've got spears, and we've got shields, and we've got all these things that, that need to be carried into battle. And so uh, it, it was common for the warriors to have someone that helped them carry the load, to carry this, 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 this heavy armor, because it wouldn't make sense to wear all the armor up to the battle, and then you're all tired, and the Philistines are like, ah, we got you, bro. We're, you're done. It doesn't work that way. So what would happen is, is the armor bearer and the warrior would carry the armor to the battle so, so they're not very tired. And so he says to his armor bearer, hey, let's go over to those Philistines. Let's go over to those Philistines. I'm not going to tell anybody. You, me, let's just go. Let's just go check it out. Hey, maybe, I mean, we're not there yet, but maybe something cool is going to happen, right? I mean, one day, he just, he just decided, one day. I mean, no special day, no special circumstance. I think Jonathan woke up one morning. He's like, you know what? I'm tired of these Philistines in my stinking land. Let's go do something about it. And so he talks to his armor bearer and says, hey, let's go check it out. And so it kind of explains the, the road that they would take. And, and this road, it would, it would be a very dangerous road. It says there's one, a, a rocky crag on one side and a rocky crag on the other side. I mean, I mean, it goes so far as to name these things, these rocky crags, Bozes and uh, Sina. Okay. 
but it's named. And so what you see is you have them walking this, 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 this hard path, and there's these rocky crags. I don't know about you, but back then, when, when you've got arrows and spears and you've got all these things, to be low and have the enemy high is a very bad thing. And so, so they're walking down this, this narrow road with these rocky crags on each side. There could be enemy. There could be Philistines all around them. And how easy would it be for them to just throw some, throw some spears or charge down at them, shoot them with the arrows, and... and these two guys, they don't stand a chance. And they go. Verse 6, Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let's go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. And his armor bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. Do as you wish. Behold, I am with you heart and soul. Jonathan said, Behold, we will cross over to the men. We will show ourselves to them. If they say to us, wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place, but we will not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, then we will go up, for the Lord has given them into our hand, and this shall be the sign to us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines, and the Philistines said, look, Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden themselves. And the men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come, come up to us and we will show you a thing. So he says to his armor bearer, All right, buddy, let's go. Let's go check these Philistines out. I'm tired of them in our land. This is our land. God gave it to us. And let's get rid of these Philistines. And, and I love, I love the reply of his armor bearer. He says, I'm with you. I am with you, heart and soul. Do as you wish. Now, I don't know the spiritual state of armor bearer. I really don't know the spiritual state of Jonathan. But to, to go into battle, two versus who, a garrison, who knows how many there exactly were. I mean, the odds are not in your favor. There's, I mean, if you look at it from a human point of view, there is no way these two guys are going to get rid of this garrison of Philistines on their own. They are walking into impending doom, impending death. They're going to the slaughter. And yet the armor bearer doesn't back down. He's not like, ah, hey, Jonathan, I've been meaning to talk to you about this. Maybe we should go get some more guys, you know? I mean, I'll, with, I'll fight with you, you know? I'm all in the ring, you know? We'll go back and forth. But maybe we need a little more backup, you know? Maybe like four or five hundred more people. He doesn't say that. He's not like, yeah, hey, hey, uh, Jonathan, I'm going to go with you. And as they're marching, he's like, just going to hide under the rock. He doesn't do that. He says, I am with you. I am with you, heart and soul. Do as you wish. This guy was sticking to Jonathan no matter what. No matter what circumstance, no matter what situation, no matter what they would come up against, he was going to stick with Jonathan. So Jonathan lays out the plan. Here's the plan. All right, we'll go, we'll show ourselves to them. If they say, hey, we're going to come over to you. Well, we'll just stay where we're at and they'll come over to us, okay? But if they say, hey, why don't you come over to us? He says, that's the sign from the Lord that he is going to deliver them into our hands, which if we put it in our terms, we're going to win. I don't know about you, but I like to win, okay? It's not fun to lose. Anybody ever been on the losing side of anything? 
Monopoly, uh, the game of life, not life in general, but just the game of life, okay? Uh, basketball, football, volleyball, you know? I mean, it's not fun to lose, right? I mean, you, you, you play to, why do you play the game? You play to win the game, right? I mean, you're not going to go out on the football field Friday night and be like, uh, hey, can you just run around? No, you want to win the game, right? And how do you win the game? You score points, and you stop the other team from scoring points. So there's a game plan in place. Don't let them score, you score. That's how we win the game. So Jonathan is saying, all right, here's how we win the game. If God is going to deliver them to our hands, they're going to call us over. And so here's what they do. I, I, I mean, can you picture this? Like, they, they kind of start to show their heads. Like, you would be the Philistines, Okay. <laughs> Philistines. And so here's, here's Jonathan, his armor bearer. And then they see him. And he's like, hey, hey, look. The Israelites, the Hebrews, look at them. They're coming out of their holes like prairie dogs. And just sticking their heads up. You know? And then they're like, hey, come over here. Come over here. I want to show you something. I mean, that's basically, I want to show you a thing. We have something to show you. Let me take care of you for a few minutes. That's what they're saying. Why don't you come on over here, boys? we got something to show you. Garrison of Philistines, two Israelites. Why don't you come on over here? We're going to have a fun time. And that's exactly what Jonathan and his armor bearer were waiting to hear. That was the sign from the Lord. Hey, why don't you come over here? And like, all right, buddy, you don't even know what's coming. It's coming for you, all right? So we go on. I'm going to start in verse 12. And the men of the garrison hailed Jonathan, his armor bearer, and said, Come up to us, we will show you a thing. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet, which means if he was climbing up on his hands and feet, he wasn't on his hands and feet. He was laying down. And they fell before Jonathan. And his armor bearer killed them after him. And that first strike which Jonathan and his armor bearer made killed about 20 men within as if it were a half a furlough's length of an acre of land. And there was panic in the camp, in the field, and among all the people. The garrison and even the raiders trembled. The earth quaked, and it became a very great panic. You've got these two guys. These two guys who were tired of the way things were going. They were tired of the Philistines in their land. They decided to take action. And in taking action, what they did is they got up. They physically moved to a different location and in doing so came up with a plan. Even though they're facing impending doom, peril, death, and distress, they said, here's our plan. We're going to stick to it. And they had no guarantee when they started out on this journey that God, would, that God would provide for them, that God would save them. No guarantee. I mean, if we look at it in the text, it says, maybe God will deliver them into our hands. But there is no guarantee. I don't know about you, but I'd like some sort of money-back guarantee, right? I mean, come on, if we're going to go and we're going to make change and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna fight these Philistines, we're going to drive them out of their land, it's two, on a, two versus garrison, I don't even know, but I, 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 I want to guarantee, God, all right, are you going to be with us? Are we going to win? Are you listening? They don't know. 
They don't know, and yet they still go. They were not promised victory, and yet they still go to battle. They still go against these Philistines, and they fight, and they win. Two versus garrison. And you know, you're like, wow, they must be some mighty, fine warriors. Jonathan and his armor bearer. I mean, they must be top of the line, you know, I mean, number one, number two in their class. We don't really know that. We know Jonathan was brought up in Saul's household, so he had a lot of luxury, okay? I mean, but Jonathan could have stayed underneath that pomegranate tree next to that cave in the shade eating fresh fruit. He could have done that. I mean, he could have stayed in the hotel. He could have stayed in his room. He could have stayed in his school. He could have stayed at home. And yet, no, he chose to go to where the battle was. And so we keep reading in verse 16. The watchmen of Saul and Gibeah of Benjamin looked, and behold, the multitude was dispersing here and there. Then Saul said to the people who were with him, Count and see who has gone from us. When they had counted, behold, Jonathan and his armor bearer were not there. <gasps> Gasp. Where's my son? So Saul said to Ahijah, Bring the ark of God here. For the ark of God went at the time with the people of Israel. Now while Saul was talking to the priests, the tumult in the camp of the Philistines increased more and more. So Saul's busy like getting things ready. He's like making preparations to send the, the rest of the people into war. And you know what's going on with the Philistines? Oh, it's getting worse for them because Jonathan and the armor bearer, they're just going to town on, this, on these guys, all right? So Saul's still like, um, Philistines, Ark of the Covenant, we need you. And Jonathan's like, I'm taking action. We're going after it. 19, now while Saul was talking to the, to the priest, the tumult in the camp of the Philistines increased more and more. So Saul said to the priest, withdraw your hand. Then Saul and all the people who were with him rallied and went into battle. And behold, every Philistine's sword was against his fellow, and there was a great confusion. Now the Hebrews who had been with the Philistines before that time and had gone up with them into the camp, even they also turned to be with the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan likewise. When all the men of Israel who had hidden themselves in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were fleeing, they too followed hard after them in battle. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle passed beyond beth Aven. So what happens is you've got these two guys who decide to take action, and then you see the result of what's going on. They're having victory. The Philistines are being defeated. They're confused. They're fleeing. There's, a, there's an earthquake and all this. And then what happens? It's, it's not just like everyone's like, oh, good job, Jonathan and the armor bearer. No. The, the action of these two guys, it stirs up those, those macho, manly emotions. You know what I'm talking about? Like you can just like get that, like that adrenaline flowing, like, oh, yeah, we're going to battle. You know, they, they grab their weapons, and they just run into battle. And then the Philistines are like, oh, no, the Israelites are coming, which rarely did they ever say that, okay? And then after that, then they start fighting themselves. Like this great thing happens because two guys decided to take action. The rest of those Israelites who were hidden in the hills, they were, they were under the shade tree, they were eating fresh fruit, I mean, they were living, you know, kind of a luxurious, kick it back lifestyle. They're like, oh man, I want a piece of those Philistines, we have victory. And it stirred them to action. Here's how it wraps up this part of the narrative, this part of the story. 
It doesn't say, ah, oh, because Jonathan and armor bearer did all of this, they, did, they had such a great victory. It doesn't say, oh, well, it got kind of close until the Israelites walked in and then they had a great victory. It says, no, the Lord gave them a great victory. And you look at all these stories of, of Saul and his, his armies and Jonathan and especially of David. David and his mighty men. Like the credit never goes to David. It never goes to his mighty men. You know, the guy who killed like 300 people with his bare hands and the one guy who like decided he wanted to protect the, the bean field. Like he, it wasn't like that. It was not, hey, those guys were awesome. No, it's God is awesome. Two guys decided to take action. And in doing so, it stirred up the emotions. It stirred up inside the, of everyone else that we too can take action and stand for a cause. See, the cause was, God said, this land is yours. Drive people out. And in driving people out, you are going to take the land. You're going to set up. I have promised you this land. Well, see, all Jonathan and his armor bearer did is said, oh, hey, God must be telling the truth. This is our land. Let's go take it. And then something triggered in the heads of everyone else. Hey, hey, don't you remember God said this is our land? Well, those two guys believed it. Why can't we believe it? Why don't we act on that? It's called faith. You see, Jonathan had a belief. He had a confidence in the promise of God. And he just didn't sit on his hands and say, oh, hey, maybe someday we're just gonna, it's just going to be given to us. He said, I'm going to act on that faith. God said, drive him out. We'll be victorious. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to drive him out. So here's a great, great story, right? But it happened like thousands of years ago. Why does this apply to you today? Here's why. Because you are in a battle every single day. That there is a spiritual war going on for your heart and for your mind and for your body every single day. And maybe in this group of students, there's a Jonathan and an armor bearer. Why is the armor bearer important? Why? Why would he be important? He carried the load. He helped carry the load. Jonathan didn't have to do this on his own. The armor bearer was there to support him. He was there as a friend. He was there to say, hey, no matter what we go through, I'm with you to the end. No matter what. If we go to our deaths, I'm going to die right by you fighting just as, just as hard as you are. So maybe there's two people in here. Maybe there's a Jonathan and his armor bearer in here that are going, to, are going to take a stand. You're going to say no to what the devil and the world wants and desires and what culture says is right. Maybe you're going to say no to that. And maybe you're actually going to live the victory that you've already been given in Jesus Christ. And we can look at 1 Corinthians 15 that talks about the great resurrection and how that is a promise of the, of the coming victory that, that Christians have. That one day we will be ultimately victorious. I don't know if you've read this book, but in the end, you know what it says? We win. Don't know if you've read that part. I'd hate to spoil it, but guess what? We win, and it's a good thing. But right now, we're living in the midst of the battle. And there are far too many times that students decide to, to sit back and say, you know what, I'm just, maybe when I get older, I'll fight a battle. Maybe, maybe if, I, if I know a little more, or maybe if I feel a little more confident, I'll tell you what, what we are looking for is students who are going to stand up, stand for the cause of Christ, 
through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, you've already been given the victory. You've already been given the victory. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. You think it was easy to have two guys fight a garrison? I doubt it. You think they got tired? Yes. You think they got sore? Yes. You think they got some scrapes, some bumps, and some bruises? Of course they did. You think they got hit a couple times? No doubt. But they fought, and they fought, and they fought, and they fought. And you know what happened? Reinforcements came. They heard from far away what was going on, and they said, we want in on that. You know what? What would happen if two students in here today were to say, we're going we're, we're to be Jonathan? We're going to be the armor bearer. We're going to take what Christ has promised us. We're going to take victory, and we're going to go after it. What would happen if you start to see two students in here start to stand for Christ, stand for a cause, and stand for change in their own lives, in the lives of their friends, their family, and those that they rub shoulders with? They start to stand for that change. They say, no, Jesus is the hope. Jesus is the light. Jesus is the way. It's all about Jesus. You know, you, you know what I really think is going to happen? It's going to get contagious. And more and more of you students are going to want to jump onto that because I'll tell you what, I have, I, I have found nothing. I, I am 29 years old. 29. I'm an old guy. I've been a Christian for 15 years. And some of you, it's like, I've been a Christian for 18 years. I've been a Christian for two years. Some of you, I'm not a Christian. In 15 years of my life, I have found nothing more exciting than living a life for Christ. Well, it's kind of boring, right? You have all these rules and you can't do anything fun. Not true. Ask Keegan. Like, Keegan and I, we, we were in Nebraska City for a long time together. And we had fun. You know, we had a ton of fun. And we did a lot of really cool things. And we saw God work in amazing ways in the lives of a lot of people. I'll tell you what, now, something about that, it's, it, it like pumps me up. It makes me want to do more. It makes me want to show Christ more in my life, to share Christ, to be passionate about Christ. And so here's what I, here's what I lay before you this morning. Are you willing to take a stand? You know, God has done that for you already. He's already taken that stand for you. He says, I loved you so much that I'm going to send my son to be your substitute on the cross. You deserve that cross, you deserve that death, and you deserve hell. But you know what? He's going to be your substitute. He's going to take the punishment for every single thing you've done wrong, past, present, and future. He's going to absorb my anger and my wrath toward those wrong things. And he's going to die in your place. And in dying in your place, he is not going to stay dead because I have power over death. I am more powerful than death. He's going to come back to life. And then he's going to put you on a mission. And your mission is to go and spread the hope of Jesus Christ, to make disciples, to teach them to obey all that God has commanded us. You ready for that mission? The great thing about Wednesday, August 28th, 2013, is that it could be your one day. As we read in verse 1, one day Jonathan decided one day, you could decide. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the way that you've just worked in our lives. Pray that as we meditate, as we chew, as we 
do all these things on your word, Father, that it would impact us, we would take it in, and we would want to know you more, we'd want to take a stand, we'd want to be uh, like Jonathan and take hold of the promises that you've given us and ultimately live out the victory that you have in Christ, big picture, that it's all about Jesus. Thank you for bringing us here. Thank you for your blessing on our lives. We ask that you would continue to work and to use us and to bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Pastor Joe Malarkey, who is a youth pastor at the Monroe Evangelical Free Church. Well, this wraps up the program today. You've been listening to Truth and Focus. For my co-host, Josh Cumston, this is Gordon Thiessen. Thanks for joining us as we encourage, engage, and equip Christians in today's culture war while bringing the truth in focus. Thank you.